Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Pia DeYoung, a best-selling novelist who today brings us a truly incredible story that is her newest book, Saving Charlotte, A Mother and the Power of Intuition. Pia's writing style is captivating in itself. Then we have this incredible story of a baby daughter born with a rare type of leukemia, and Pia and her husband are told the baby will not be with them long. This is not what we want to hear when a new baby has just entered the world. The way in which Pia and her husband, and yes, her two young sons, approach this proclamation is nothing if not incredible. It's time to meet Pia de Jong and hear the story in her words. Pia de Jong, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Oh, good morning, Kate. Thank you for having me on the show this morning. It's my pleasure because I feel, for one thing, you have such an incredible, important story to share as a woman, as a mother, as just a human being sharing with other humans. Your book, Saving Charlotte, A Mother and the Power of Intuition, is just such an incredible journey in life and which I'm sure so many of us can relate to in in some form. So thank you for really putting your pen to paper or your fingers on the on the keyboard and and bringing that to life for us. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. It was a necessity actually um because it was such a life-changing experience that I really had to write about it. And that's one of the key things uh that we'll come back to because uh for people who don't know is that this story saving Charlotte literally was saving Charlotte's life. So maybe uh, give us just kind of an encapsulated version of that, if you would, Pia. Right, I will. So um, the story is about my daughter. Her name is Charlotte, and um, she was born in Amsterdam uh, exactly 17 years ago. Yesterday was her birthday. And um, she was born with, um, with, like, blue spots on her skin, and that turned out to be amyloid leukemia, which is a very serious form of leukemia. And uh, so just two weeks after she was born, we were told that our little girl had very little chance of survival. And so that was such a big blow for us. And uh, we, uh, and it, it really, I mean, having a little baby in your arms and caring for that baby and realizing that the baby doesn't have much chance, that's, that's a very hard thing. And because it was so serious, um, we had actually, uh, we, we didn't know, there was no really a cure for this. The only thing that, the, you know, the doctors offered was like chemotherapy. And they also said like putting chemotherapy in a little baby is a very, very, very serious thing that, you know, will make her sick as it is. So she would become like blind and fertile or even die from the, you know, chemotherapy in itself. So what we did is we decided to just take the baby home and have her stay with us and let's happen what, you know, what we figured was going to happen, that she would just die. And the beautiful end of the story is that she didn't. Yes, she just had her 17th birthday, so yes. obviously <laughs> obviously, it, yes. the story went a whole different direction. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's... Um, there's no prescription here as to, okay, this is what we're recommending for other people. For no, you, no, no. this was the right thing to do. You just felt, given the options, it was almost like palliative care, bringing her home just to be comfortable. Yes. I, it's just 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good thing you mentioned it because in no way I recommend to anybody not to treat a baby. It was just in our case, and she was just born. She was so fragile, and, uh, and the, the, you know, the options, the, the, the articles that were available about her disease were so bleak. I mean, that actually the one, you know, article that the physician oncologist put out and put for in front of my husband and me, it actually said, like, um, um, most kids die from this, and it's usually f- uh, fetal. That's what it said, fatal. <laughs> and so it was just, you know, that's why the, the book is called A Mother and the Power of Intuition. It was just kind of like immediately I, am, I, I just kind of stood up in that doctor's office and just decided, like, this baby should be home, and, you know, she had two, two little bigger brothers. They were four and two. And I just had, like, she needs to be home, and if she dies, she just doesn't want to die or let her die at home, and just have her be comfortable as much as possible. That was that was the thing we, you know, we envisioned for her. And the telling of the story, your writing, for one thing, is so incredible, the way you are a storyteller and weave in different things happening around you. But, you know, always at the center of this is is baby Charlotte and then her brothers. And just seeing how life is really uh, has a way of relating the story that I, I feel is a real page turner. We just really want to, you know, be right there by your side, Pia. Oh, that's so good to hear. Well, the thing is, um, well, I think writing is all about details, but also having a little baby is about details. And having a little baby that you know you think is not going to live long, you spend you, you spend extra extra you know attention to details because they matter so much. And since she was home with me, and you know, and my little boys and my husband, he tried to be you know home as much as possible. We we had like such a small life, and then the details became so important. And it's like, you know, it's probably the same thing that older people have or people who are very sick. You, you, the smell of a flower and, you know, the beauty of a tree, nature, all those little things, a laughter, you know, a, 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 a beautiful tomato. Everything metal matters more in a different way than usual. And that it's maybe like mindfulness. It's, it's such an important thing. And uh, and what what I think you mean with my book, what's very you know interesting is that we had like kind of people in the neighborhood. We had an alley, and in the alley, there lived a hooker, and um, so we lived in Amsterdam. I don't think I mentioned that, but we lived in Amsterdam at the time, on the like the posh Heerengracht uh, Canal. But there was also the alley, and there were like hookers, just actually one hooker, and she became so important for us because she. She started to knit sweaters for little Charlotte, and she started to pray for her, and she became like, you know, a very big part of our environment, and was like the old neighbor, and a man in his 60s who was, he was a little bit like autistic, but he kind of made it his point to, you know, make sure that nothing would happen to our family. So the focus of, you know, attention of who we were and where we live was totally different, and although it was just a you know, a terrible, a terrible thing to live with a baby that you think is, is going to die. It was also the most, in a way, kind of a, it, there was a beauty in it. There was so much attention to being in the moment that it, yeah, that's why I had to write about it, <laughs> really. 
it, yes, it was those things, like even mentioning uh, the young woman, the hooker, knitting for, for the children. There was just this love and compassion. There was just seeing how the community rallied. It was an extended family that you had. And there's a, such a beauty in that. It was. It was kind of an extended family. And I think it's also because she was such a tiny, sweet little baby. And, you know, and babies, I mean, even saying this gives me goosebumps because a baby's not supposed to die. A baby's supposed to live. Every child. And we all kind of rooted for her. We all wanted to be, you know, her safe and, and happy. And my point, because I decided not to you know, to put any treatment in her. My treatment was just keeping her safe from stress, from people who, you know, had kind of opinions about her, for instance, that we should treat her, all keep them away from us and just have this, you know, kind of a temple of peace and happiness and warmth. And I was so grateful that we were able to, you know, to, to get it. And I think all those people rooting for her, that helped so much you know, helped so much to even, I think, in the healing process, yes. And so there, yes, is the intuition, knowing what it is to keep close and what to really keep as far away as possible. Because isn't it amazing how some people feel they have the solution? You should listen to me. Here, call this doctor. Why won't you call this doctor? Because they'll fix her, right? Yes, that's a very underestimated problem, I think, um, when you are sick, uh, anybody who is sick, there's people who are, and I, I'm sure they're well-meaning, but they, they want to help you in a way that's really um, their way and not your way. And it's just they, they cannot, you know, stand being helpless, so they almost force upon you, you know, doctors or tinctures or whatever, alternative medicine or even Reiki, all those things. And... What I think and really believe, again, that's why, you know, we have the subtitle of the book, A Mother and the Power of Intuition, is you should really go with, with what feels well for you. And in my case, it was extra interesting because I made the decision for somebody else, a little baby who was unable to, you know, to, to, to speak her mind. So I felt very responsible to, you know, to to be able to listen to her as well as I could and translate her emotions and her needs to, you know. And and the thing is, as a woman, you know, you always fight against your boundaries and your things. And for me, it has always been difficult to do that for myself. But now, doing it for my little baby, it was easier. It was easier to stand up for her than for myself. And you were... It felt like you had such good support in your sons, uh, and and you listened. It stood out to me. Your older son is it uh, Jurian? Is that his name? Yes, her name Jur- is yeah. We say Jurian. Jurian. And it's it's from George. Ah. <laughs> and it's a very very old fashioned Dutch name that you know kind of just fit him. And he was the one. He was he was not even four when she was born, so he could like speak well. And my second son, his name is Matthijs like from Matthias, and he was he was just two. So he, he, he was also very important. The Jurian could really speak, and I felt a big task for me was preparing my boys for the loss of their little sister because we had prepared so much. You know, you have, you're pregnant, and your belly is growing, and you make these little stories, and the kids kind of really look forward. 
So I felt I also have to prepare them for for the loss. So and that was very hard. And I just didn't want to, you know, because I had never been deaf in their little lives. So I kind of made up this kind of story about a dinosaur because they were really into dinosaurs. And I didn't mention Charlotte. I just mentioned a little dinosaur that was sick and not feeling well. And, you know, her little brothers and friends wanted to help her. And then suddenly, you know, I started to cry. And Yurian, my oldest, took my hand and said, like, Mom, Charlotte is not going to die. And, I mean, I never told him she was actually sick. It was just, even seeing this now, it just gives me this chills. It was so beautiful and it really helped me because I thought like if this four-year-old has this intuition and he knows that it's not going to happen then who knows maybe he's right and I hope he's right so it was it mattered to me it really mattered to me yes that was so powerful it really stood out almost in neon for me too it's like young children they are just still so innocent uh we trust that they are so innocent, they most are. of them, right? Yes. Right. And yeah. and also, um, Matthijs, my other son, one point, some lady came in and she wanted to do like some kind of Reiki, some massage. And she kind of, she really pushed herself. She was not nice about her. And it took forever. And, and you know, it was, it was not working well with the family. And, and she made like rude remarks about the neighbor who we all like love so much. And then Matthijs, he stood up and kind of tried, he was only two years old, but he kind of tried to push her out with his two little hands, like, out, out, you just leave the house, you want to be on our own. So they all had their, you know, their contribution to keeping up, you know, the safety and the space we all needed so much at that time. Yes. And it's so beautifully related in that way, the... What just drawing the, drawing these pictures for us, and we can really get the feeling of of what was going on, and and you kept it as um, it just really felt like this mother bird with her nest, and we're just going to keep it all just kind of closed in on ourselves. You really devoted that was your life was nurturing Charlotte. Yes, that was my life for a whole year. It was just nurturing her and my little boys and it was a nest that's I say that somewhere I think in the book we are like little birds in a nest and I also envisioned us as like these nesting dolls the beautiful Russian dolls and so Robert was on the outside because he kept working and so he related to you know the the big world out there and then inside him I there was was I and I was you know and then the boys and then the, the tiniest teeniest little part there was like baby Charlotte so we cared so much for her, and she really was the center. Yes. And Robert, as you mentioned, your husband, you know, he was the one who needed to continue with the work being outside the home. And you were told early on then by the doctors that sometimes this just totally shatters relationships. Other times it draws them closer. And you had said to each other, it's not going to break us, right? Yeah, right. yeah. It really was. It was. It's a scary thing. It's actually, it's true. You either get closer or you, you break apart because it's also with like grieving and, and things like this because it's so difficult and people grieve and handle pain and insecurity all in their very own way. And 
you know, you have to you have to really accept each other. And we did, but we knew each other for a very long time, and we have always been very close. And but we made conscious of that decision, like we're not gonna, you know, break our marriage up because of this. And luckily, we didn't. Absolutely, and that I feel, you know, for if for any of us, even when we're not in in the midst of some sort of huge challenge like this, this this story saving Charlotte is a way for us to really understand, uh, appreciate relationships, and I think gather some energy and, and comfort from that. So yeah. for that, too, I appreciate your, your writing, Pia. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I really believe in, you know, we are, we are you know, a world of, of, of people, and we need each other, and, you know, and, and I cannot understand why there's so much hatred, and, and you know, I think we... We should cherish our relationships, however little we have and, and or how much we have. People are what we need and will help us. And Yeah. And, and also, I think you should be open for, you know, people, people's gifts. I think people all have a gift. And you, you should, you know, see those gifts. For instance, like, you know, that neighbor that I described, the old neighbor, um, he's, he was a very difficult man. And he was able to, like, fight with many people like the, you know, it was just complicated. And for some reason, he, you know, I saw what he had to offer, and he was a very protective man. So once I hit him and kind of, you know, got the nerve, saw his nerve for caring for people, I just kind of, I, I want him for me. And, that, and, and then I was able to, you know, receive his, whatever he had to offer his, his protection, his love, as, as a really beautiful gift. So what I learned is to be open for, you know, for, for gifts you don't expect. And the same with the hooker. I mean, it's so easy to, you know, you know this is people who, who live, you know, on, on society's kind of fringe, if that's the right word. You know, you don't, they're not well respected. They are, you know, and, and just seeing the beauty of what they do, they try, they're human. And um, and by doing that, she actually, you know, she as I said, she she lit a candle for Charlotte, and that every day when she went home, and that meant so much for me. And you know, it, I think all these things help you being a better human being. Uh, you know, yes. a, a human being who can profit from other human beings, and instead of the hatred, there will be you know unexpected love. Exactly. It reminds me of a of a wonderful quote that I heard some years ago. It uh, it was actually someone said they saw it on a sign in some sort of a monastery or something, and it said, "The world is already so tough. How can we be anything but kind?" Yes, and totally like that. And and that's that's what you had. In the midst of all the the pain that you were dealing with, with this tiny sick baby, there was this kindness in your heart that extended to the people. Somehow it created, I think, this very healing, nurturing atmosphere, not just right in your nest, but around your home as well. Yes. Right. That was just so, yeah, it's a beautiful quote. Yeah, the world is already so, I agree. And, you know, and there are so many terrible things beyond our control, like sickness. And so why make it even tougher? <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I don't understand that. Yeah. Uh, yes. 
it is something to to really consider and you help us again with saving charlotte to share these stories we understand how each of us might look around us and and see where those those gifts are how we can be kind and it really has makes such a difference in our own individual world it does it really does and and i mean at the same time the, the most you know beautiful thing came out of it because she she gave me a gift too and the gift she gave me was that i found in a way, my you know my true self. I and and that sounds maybe like cheesy, but it really worked that way because I kind of I learned to make a decision between things that really mattered and mm-hmm. things that didn't matter. And I decided I cannot do everything. I just kind of focus on things that are important for me. And for me, you know, after she was healed, I really started to write. And in the middle of the night, <laughs> kind of they call that the midnight disease, where you where you cannot stop writing. And it kind of freed me up. And because of that, I was able to write this book, which is, I think, a book that can help people relate, you know, with illness and disease when we're in the same situation. And I never knew I could write or I wanted to write. This was a total gift that came out of this whole year. So I feel like I'm, I'm truly blessed by what happened in my life. And you said that, actually, right at the outset of how your lives were just totally changed by what was going on. And now you're telling us how that change really has been a gift for all of you. Yes, I think it's, that's completely true. And, um, yeah, and, and it made us so much closer as a family. We always stay that way, and we always cherish, you know, our us time. We also open family, and the kids have friends with us, always this base they feel where it is safe. So I think if you are open, open to it, there are so many gifts to come. And it's, it's the, the arrow, the bow and the arrow. Mm. As they say, you know, there's, there's, there's so much pain in life, but I was kind of able to, you know, by the writing, to find strength through this. And that made me really a different person. It really did. And um, I'm very grateful for that. That is so beautiful and a message that all of us can learn so much from, regardless of where we might find ourselves on some sort of theoretical scale. We can always learn to look around us and and really grow from what seems like such a a painful and uh, challenging time that's going on that trust that eventually some kind of good will come from it. Yeah. I think that's so that's so very true. And I realized there's a scene in my book where, you know, and, and at one point she was really she was she was tiny, she didn't thrive and she had she had all these blue spots that you know were tumors. And she she just didn't want to play with her boys. And I remember one night I, I walked with her to the playground and I was sitting there under the old tree and I just kind of felt you know, I I said to her, even though she wasn't consciously able to understand my my words, like, if it's too hard for you, Charlotte, you don't have you don't have to fight for me. You just if you just can't, just you know, go with what feels good for you. And I was at that point I really I really meant that. I knew I was still thinking, you know, that she could die and I felt like if she will, I still had those you know, those days with her, those hours. And it has been just, you know, a gift to be around her. I be, it was just 
you know, being with her, even for a short time, would have been just kind of wonderful. And she was, you know, I, I'd say like she was like a star falling from the heavens, and I really felt that way. And luckily, you know, she fought, but I was completely in the moment and completely grateful with whatever life, you know, gave me. And that is, you know, I get, of, you know, letters from people who, you know, who actually lost a child and they cherish, you know, the time they had with their child. And I always ask people, like, what was the name of the child, of your, you know, your child? And uh, people want to tell about it. They want to, you know, they want to share the life they had with this child because it matters and it, it will never go away and the pain will always be there. But, you know, there was a whole life, however short or however long, that you just, you know, it's there, and it was there, and it needs to be told. It was beautiful for what it was. Yes, absolutely. And so this book, Saving Charlotte, A Mother and the Power of Intuition, as we've been touching on, is so significant for all of us, really, I feel, it's going to be such a gift to us. So, of course, it's brand new. It's available through all of our favorite book sources. Right, Pia? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you can find out more by going to Pia's website. So tell us the website, Pia. Yeah, I will. So the website is piadejong.com. And the Jong gets D-E-J-O-N-G, a Dutch name. Very common Dutch name, yeah. So piadejong.com, and you'll find everything about like saving Charlotte, and uh, and and also uh, little stories I write about my life in America, um, which because we moved to America in 2012, and uh, yeah, yes, which is great. We're so <laughs> glad that you're you're part of us in this country. But of course, you know, when we think of it spiritually, you were part of us then, and and th- this book helps you to be part of our life, and I trust anyone. I feel, you know, really blessed by reading your story and and supported. So it's so encouraging. And so thinking about Charlotte, here she is, this teenager, and happy birthday because she just had a a birthday. What does Charlotte think about the story? Well, um, of course, I I had her, you know, I always told her that she was sick as a baby, so it was not a surprise. But when I had her read the story, and I think I wrote this story also for her to let her know what exactly happened, she was she was also um, you know surprised and and in a way also relieved. And she told me that, you know, of course there were tumors, the blue spots on her skin. She thought that was com- something you know and you know creepy or even like disgusting, and it wasn't. It was like a, it was like little blue spots, and I described them as like little lakes that were slightly blue. And she's like, oh, Mom, that was so good to read. It was just a beautiful thing. And so she was very happy with the book, and um, she, it, it helps her, you know, give place, a good place to the story of her life. And, uh, and also, you know, I told her to, to, you know, to take good care of herself and know her, her boundaries and, you know, be very healthy and go to bed early, all those kind of <laughs> things. And she understands why this is very important to her. So, yeah, and she's, you know, she, it, it doesn't bother her that she had this story, but I think it makes her also a little bit special, and she likes that. 
Uh, well, she is special. She, without our knowing her personally, how she was such a strong child and was able to overcome what she did, what was considered a fatal form of leukemia for an infant. Uh, I mean, she's she's a warrior princess. She's a warrior. I like that. <laughs> I will tell that to her. <laughs> but she was. She was as little and as small as she was. She was a little warrior princess, and she still is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's we are, again, so gifted by reading uh, Saving Charlotte because, again, there's the message, some kind of message for any of us, uh, regardless of the circumstances we might be going through. I think that there's a really so, so many deep meanings. And uh, I think perhaps uh, one of the, the big ones is just really knowing that choosing what really matters and letting that be the focus of your life, not performing on some sort of stage that you might look back on and say, really, what was that all about? Yes, I think exactly. And, you know, and, and if you say, like, what's the message of, of the book? I think there are more messages, but I think the most important is love huh. <laughs> and uh, and not, you know, hatred or fear or d- desperation. There's always love that kind of conquers things and and kindness and trust and, you know, and also the intuition. If you're like kind of clean living and, you know, if you, if you want to do everything, I think I was when I was younger, I also wanted to do everything, like go to every continent and see every movie. And I just realized I can't. I cannot do everything, and I don't need to do everything. And you know, th- there's there's greatness in smallness. If you make th- things smaller, you don't necessarily lose things. You gain maybe things. And that's a, such a big lesson. And that's also a big thing in the book. It is. Thank you for really stating that so clearly for us. Uh, Pia, because yeah. uh, yes, it definitely is a very strong theme that courses through it. I really appreciate you. I am so grateful that you have the the writing talent that you do. Oh. That you that you uh, you know were willing to then put it in print like this, so all of us could share in this really significant, poignant story. And thank you, of course, for taking time with us this morning. Yes, it was such a great pleasure to talk about my book with you. Such a good thing to do. Yes, so I you agree. Very much. You're so welcome. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Pia DeYoung and Sunday Morning Magazine with Betty Lochner. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I so greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage, click on the On Air tab, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of sharing with each other your hopes and dreams for the new year just ahead. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women, a warm 106.9 station to pick you up and make you feel good. Good morning.